0: It's the Pete Callender Show. With more than 20 years as a reporter and radio host in North Carolina, Pete Callender is helping solve the world's problems one podcast at a time. Because he's a giver. And now, here's Pete. So what's going on? Welcome to the show. It is November 17th. Thank you very much for joining me. I appreciate it. Thanks for downloading. Thanks for listening. Thanks for becoming a patron like Timbo and Richard. Bill Bob Robin Andy John Billy Brent and Sarah thanks so much uh, they became patrons just by going to the clicking on the link there uh, and uh, they support the show directly you can as well then you get exclusive content and uh, access to like the live streams and the prep sheet and uh, that sort of thing so uh, also like audio from whenever I do interviews with other radio stations um, and I put those up there as well. So uh, head on over to the Pete Show com and click the link there. I appreciate that. Uh, also, the show today is presented by Mattress Man, uh, four locations in Asheville, Arden and Hendersonville, and uh, they do ship nationwide. They have local five star delivery service and they've got Black Friday deals going on uh, right now through. Well, I don't even know how long they're just crazy enough. They may just like for the whole year. No, I'm kidding. But uh, it'll go probably through. What, December, mid-December or so? And uh, they've got the triple zero financing. So that means zero money down, zero APR for 24 months, zero payments for 90 days. So you can have a brand new mattress in your place for the holidays. Uh, in fact, if you got guests coming, you can grab a, a Queen Gel Hybrid bed in a box for just two They've also got the Biltmore Collection my, uh, made by Restonic out of Fayetteville. And these are the mattresses that are exclusive to the Biltmore uh, Hotel and the Inn that are on the estate property there. Uh, And if you get a Biltmore mattress, you'll pick up a free box spring from Mattress Man. Also, you can get a free adjustable base with the purchase of other select mattresses. So uh, just go on over to Mattress Man or go to their website, mattressmanstores.com. Check out all the inventory uh, and experience the difference. I did. I bought my mattress from Mattress Man years ago before they ever, uh, ever advertised with me. Uh, that's how much I believe in them, their stores, their people and their products. Experience the difference at Mattress Man, buy local and sleep better. So the News and Observer has a story titled North Carolina Sheriff's Group recommends criminal justice reforms. Are they enough? Right. OK, so general rule of thumb, whenever somebody asks a question in a headline, the answer is no. <laughs> that's just a rule of thumb. It's not always the case. Um So the North Carolina Sheriff's Association puts out a report proposing statewide reforms. Okay, Uh, and here's the lead sentence from the News and Observer. All North Carolina students should be required to watch videos explaining how to interact with law enforcement by their junior year. Outrage ensues. Right. Um, Eddie Caldwell is the executive vice president and general counsel of the Sheriff's Association. He told the News and Observer, quote, I don't see how anybody could find it controversial or be opposed to educating high school kids on what the law requires. That's just education. <laughs> so, right. Well, look, full disclosure, I have been an advocate of Having everybody working off of a universally known and accepted set of guidelines when interacting with law enforcement and with law enforcement interacting with civilians. I am I, I, I have uh, came across this idea years ago. I like it. I am I am totally fine with this. Because uh, I think if everybody knows what is expected of them and what is expected of their counterpart in the interaction, I think everybody then, when we view videos, when we see these, you know, uh, interactions on uh, uh, on Twitter and Facebook, we're all coming from basically a universally educated point of view, right? Instead of having to go over time and again every single time there's any kind of interaction, we have to go over, okay, this is not acceptable. This is acceptable. This is use of force. This is not like if we all have an understanding of, hey, you know what? Uh rather than uh yelling at the cop, calling them all sorts of names and running away, uh, probably not a great idea, right? Probably not a great idea. Probably it's a good idea to talk with the cop. And uh and when they're asking you some questions, You can answer some of them, but if they start going down a particular path, then you don't. And everybody would know that, right? Everybody would know what a bad cop interacting with a civilian looks like and vice versa. So I I like this idea. I do. But not everybody does. And I understand that. Hey, you know what? I'm not trying to make everybody agree with me. But uh, community activist Kerwin Pittman opposes this recommendation, according to the News and Observer story. Such a video could skew information in favor of officers, he said, and allow them to more easily violate someone's rights. He says, quote, it is sad that they would sink to that level of propaganda. Really? This is propaganda? Just the idea, like, to be clear. There is no video yet, all right? This is simply a recommendation out of a report by the Sheriff's Association. I have it, actually. Hang on. Let me just go ahead. I'll skip ahead here and tell you what they – here are the – they got two that I was going to highlight here from this report, 31 pages long. Um, Not the recommendation. It's the total report. Okay, don't worry. I'm not going to go over all 30 pages of it. But the North Carolina Justice Academy – has produced videos in the last several years for training regarding how law enforcement should interact with various populations, including autistic individuals, those in the deaf and hard of hearing community. Uh, However, these videos are designed to teach officers how to interact with the public, not how the public should interact with law enforcement. Okay, this is, again, this is why I think it is important to have education around this. It is kind of wild. You're going to hear... There is an anti-education approach being taken for these interactions, you, instead, which is odd to me because if the whole point is to reduce th- uh, these interactions and the lethality of the interactions, right, to keep them from escalating, then it seems to me like if everybody knew what was expected of them and their counterparts, that that would do it, right? That would at least help. That would minimize some of it, right? If if the police say you're under arrest. And they say and the video says then you should, you know, put your hands behind your back or put your hands behind your head. You should comply with the officer's uh, directions. Now, if you consider that to be propaganda, I have serious questions about whether or not you are actually interested in trying to save lives here because that would do it. Seriously, that would do it. If you complied with the generally speaking, I'm not saying in all cases, there are obviously cases of bad cops. And they, they talk about that as well, how to how to get at some of the bad cops that uh, move around from uh, various places. Um, but if, if everybody has an idea about how to interact, it seems to me like that could minimize the lethality of certain interactions the recommendation here from the report goes on to say some agencies have created their own videos regarding how the public should interact with law enforcement in various scenarios. Those may or may not have been widely distributed. The North Carolina Division of Motor Vehicles, for example, includes mandatory instruction in driver training courses regarding how a driver should interact with law enforcement during a traffic stop. However, Because that information was just recently added to the curriculum, there's a large segment of the population who may not have received it. Okay. Let me, I will tell you what I do when I get pulled over by, you know, usually for speeding (laughs) when I get pulled over, although I have, I'm getting like seven months to the gallon now for my car. It's amazing. COVID has been great for my mileage. Anyway, um, when I, when I get pulled over, this is what I do day or night. Okay. I pull over in a safe place. Like if it's on the side of the road, there's a shoulder, it's large enough that I can pull all the way off. So the cop has room to walk on either side of the car. I try to find a spot that's got a wide shoulder. Like you do not pull over on the side of the road where there's nowhere for the cop to get out and walk up to your car, you know? So I, I pull over onto the side and the first thing I do put the car in park, right? Then I turn it off. And so he see he'll, he will see or she will see the, uh, when I put it into park, it'll go past the reverse, you know, uh, shift. And when it does, or gear, and when it goes past reverse, they'll see the light flick through. The little white, the reverse lights go past, right? And so they'll see that I put the car in park. And then they'll see that I turn the car off. Then I turn on the interior light inside the car and I roll down all the windows. And I put my hands on the steering wheel. And so when they come up, they can see everything in my car. They got a light They know, the car is in park. They know that it is turned off. I am, I am presenting to them the least amount of hostility and threat. So they feel comfortable enough walking up to the car. Now, I, I assume that helps them. I assume that puts them at ease to some degree. Maybe some of them are even a little appreciative of it. I don't know. Nobody's ever told me, <laughs> but, uh, that, that, that's what I do. And then I immediately tell them uh, I am a concealed carry permit holder and I uh, have a firearm in the vehicle. And I I tell them that immediately. So uh, they usually then say, "Okay, let me see your license and registration. And then they ask, do you know why I pulled you over? And years ago, I would say, I have no idea. And I would lie. And now that I'm older and I understand that they deal with liars all the time, I now reply, I was going a little fast. You got me like I'm to the point now and not that I can afford speeding tickets. So now I drive a little bit slower, but um, it's not that I can afford the speeding tickets. It's that I recognize now with my age, how often cops deal with liars. And I'm trying to do my part in what little way I can uh, to let them know that not everybody's going to lie to them all the time. So. Uh, because honestly, if you're encountering people all the time in your work and every single person is lying to you about everything, how long do you think it takes before you start thinking that everybody's lying to you? Because they are. So anyway, that's what I do. I don't know if that complies with what the DMV tells you to do, but I just figure that's the best practice. Car and park, uh, turn the engine off, turn the interior light on, roll down all the windows, hands on the steering wheel. And then I and if you're a concealed carry permit holder, then you tell the cop if you have your uh, your firearm with you. So that's just a best practice. Now maybe that's maybe that's what they'll recommend. I think everybody should uh, probably follow those rules seriously. Like that that should be part of all drivers' training. Um, just like if you're having an interaction with a law enforcement officer, and uh, for and they start asking you, you know, hey, do you have an ID or something? Do you comply with that? No, I know I'm going to anger libertarians when I I say, you know, I don't have to, but I'll give them my name. I don't have to give you my ID um, because I've been hassled by cops. I have. I used to have long hair, a full beard, drove a car with Grateful Dead stickers. I was a stat. I was a stat waiting to happen for them. (laughs) So uh, I understand now looking back on it. Yeah, like I made myself a target by exhibiting all of the, uh, you know, all of the displays of a pothead driving around with bags of weed in the car. So, um, right, that's if I'm you, Can you blame them for making that assumption? They weren't wrong, by the way. Right. <laughs> they weren't wrong to make those assumptions about me. I know that's profiling and that's wrong. So uh, the association back to the Sheriff's Association, their report here says the North Carolina Justice Academy should prepare videos. To distribute via social media and other outlets about common law enforcement encounters and what the general public should expect and should do during encounters such as traffic stops, arrests, etc. All North Carolina high school students should be required to view the videos by the beginning of their junior year. And so this is what is labeled as propaganda. This is propaganda according to the community activist Kerwin Pittman. Uh His name will pop up here in a bit uh, as well. He says, it is said that they would sink to that level of propaganda. I don't understand why this is propaganda. Now, it depends on what the video, you know, is, don't you think? I don't know why you feel comfortable calling it propaganda when you don't even know what the video is. I've seen a lot of videos, actually, that have been done over the years uh, that are are showing, you know, uh, the reflex times when uh, police are presented with a threat, I think those videos are very helpful. You don't really understand how fast somebody can draw a gun and shoot you dead until you see it actually happen. You, you really don't have any concept of how fast that occurs. And that's what we're asking officers to do, to make these split-second decisions. And no, a cop is not going to know whether you're reaching into your car to take out a cell phone or firearm. They're not going to know that, and the amount of time it takes uh, that gun or phone to clear the window from the from the door opening or the cars car doors open and whatever, the amount of time it takes to clear, and so the cop sees it, recognizes it, then draws his own gun, he's already dead or she is already dead. So the videos that I've seen that are done are very helpful to help you visualize what it is the police officers have to deal with in those types of situations. And I think you would not hear some of these stupid lines. Well, I don't know if you wouldn't hear them anymore. Like, why doesn't he just shoot him in the leg? Why doesn't he just, you know, shoot to injure him instead of kill? You would, I think maybe you would hear fewer comments like that but probably not. I mean, I remember seeing some comments like that on social media. Uh What was it out of Philadelphia where the, the insane guy runs out of the house with a knife and starts trying to stab the cop and the cop shoots him dead. And I'm seeing people like, why doesn't he, the cop try to shoot him in the leg? Well, if you're going to say that, why not? Why not shoot the knife out of his hand? Why can't the cop do that? <laughs> like that's, That's how absurd this is when you actually see it unfold in real time and they put a little stopwatch next to it. That's very helpful. So you can actually time it and see how much time between drawing of weapon and lethal action. It's like a second, maybe two. That's all you get. That's all you get. Now, at Old Grouch's Military Surplus, all you're going to get is military surplus. And great deals, by the way. Great deals on cold-weather gear. It is in stock now at Old Grouch's Military Surplus in downtown Clyde. Uh, He's got wool sweaters, military field jackets, and wool and fleece toboggans, wool socks, Gore-Tex jackets. Um, He's got it all. Also, emergency kits for your car, so you can make your kit now, so you're prepared with like a folding shovel, so you can dig out of... Uh, you know, a ditch or the snow or something. Uh, also, you can get the warm clothing and the uh, the blankets in there, and you can pack it all into an ammo uh, bag or can. So they've got, uh, Old Grouch has these uh, ammo cans, all sizes, and they're great for storage. So you can put food in there that, you know, it doesn't spoil for your emergency kit, won't be harmed by heat and cold. He'll help you put all of that together, Tim Will, at Old Grouch's Military Surplus in downtown Clyde. It's across the street from the anti-aircraft gun. Monday through Saturday, the shop is open and 24-7 at oldgrouch.com. So the report from the Sheriff's Association also recommends banning chokeholds unless the life of an officer or another is threatened and... The report requires officers to intervene and report when they see another officer using excessive force. So the duty to intervene. Now, I would point out there are already a lot of jurisdictions that have implemented these uh, specific recommendations. Uh, this would create sort of though a, a, a universal standard across the entire state. The Sheriff's Report also supports regular psychological screenings, steps to prevent rogue officers from moving from job to job, and creating a public database of officers who have lost their certification. It also recommends improving, increasing, and standardizing training for law enforcement and creating an accreditation program for local law enforcement agencies. I'm okay with all of that. This is so on the the uh, the no, sort of like these nomadic cops, they they move from department to different departments after they get, you know, ousted from one because they're they're just not good at the job. Right. And they just move all around. And so it's sort of like the the law enforcement version of the lemon dance that uh, was documented in the uh, well, the movie documentary movie uh, waiting for Superman about schools where, you know, the bad teachers at one school get sent to the bad teachers at another school and they just kind of rotate the bad teachers around because nobody can fire them. So this would, this would get at that issue where if you've got a cop who behaves badly on one force, he's not going to automatically land at another uh, police department. They would have a better idea of knowing this guy's record. Um, the psychological screenings or therapy sessions I support that as well. Remember, we talked with uh, Rondell Lance, who is the chapter president of the local FOP here in Asheville, and um, he's a retired sergeant, APD, and this was was his recommendation. He's like, we need to have this. And he's like, I know some of the older guys aren't cool with this idea, but he says, especially when you're new on the force, you got to have somebody to go talk to about the stuff that you start seeing. You see people at their worst, and- you need to be able to decompress and to let some of that out and to talk about some of that stuff. And, um, this would be, a, he said, I agree with him. I think this is a good idea to have these types of, um, uh, therapy sessions, psychological screenings or therapy for especially the younger guys on the force. So all of this stuff is in this report. It also though, rejects other changes According to the News and Observer, that criminal justice reform advocates and some uh, government officials have sought like changes to the citizen review boards, programs that put officers in schools and outside reviews of fatal and near fatal incidents. You see, a process already exists for the State Board of Investigation, the SBI, to review incidents such as shootings by law enforcement officers, which is always this is. Some of the larger police departments, they've done their own investigations after a police-involved shooting and, or officer-involved shooting, and um, they've been criticized for that. You need to have somebody else come in and, and do this. You, you, you can't investigate yourself. And then they have SBI come in and do it, and now the argument is you need somebody other than SBI to do it. <laughs> okay. So who is it? Who, who is going to come in and do an investigation? it's like they have this idea that there's some non-law enforcement agency that can come in and do an investigation to really get at the truth because they're not going to believe like what other law enforcement agency is going to come in and have the credibility in your eyes to conduct an impartial investigation and get the truth, right? Because if you view all cops are pigs, all cops are, you know, ACAB or whatever, the ACAB, like if your mindset is already Uh, made up that, uh, you know, these cops are going to protect their own, then what agency do you think is going to come in and and do this kind of analysis or uh, investigation? Who's going to do that? Who are you going to trust to do that? Caldwell, Eddie Caldwell, the executive vice president and general counsel of the Sheriff's Association of the state, shared this report with the media last week. More than two weeks ahead of when the North Carolina Task Force for Racial Equity and Criminal Justice is set to propose its own reforms. And this has got, I suspect this is why some folks are a little upset. They feel like he's bigfooting their report, <laughs> which he probably is, or they, uh, they, the organization probably is. And you know what? It's smart. I'm sorry, but it's a smart move. They know that you guys are going to have this report come out and they know you're going to suck up all the oxygen when you announce this report and whatever is in it. And so, yeah, I mean they're going to they'll respond to your report when yours is out and the media goes to the all the police associations, "Oh, what do you think about this report?" Okay, that's going to happen, sure. But the primary driver of that narrative, of that story, is going to be the report from the task force. So what the Sheriff's Association did was they created their own committee, which, by the way, um, had a working group with 10 sheriffs, including Buncombe County Sheriff Quentin Miller, a Democrat, a black former APD officer, but also kind of social justice himself. So he was in on this. So they put out their report two weeks ahead of time, which means what? Now media has had time to read this report. They know what these issues are. And when the task force report comes out in two weeks, they're going to notice differences between the two. And the task force can then be asked at their big unveil, the big reveal, they can then be asked, hey, the Sheriff's Association said X, Y, Z, and you're saying not X, Y, Z. So what do you think? See, and it puts them in the position of having to answer harder questions. I think it's a really smart move. Because otherwise, the media probably wouldn't even have known to ask the question. They, Yeah, the Sheriff's Association has gone on offense. It's a smart move. Yeah, sometimes it makes... You do wonder. These guys might know what they're doing on some of this stuff. Governor Roy Cooper. Now, I I assume all of this, of course, is based on an assumption on my part that whatever that whenever the task force does this announcement, they're going to actually have a news conference. They could very well just go over to Roy Cooper's bunker at the emergency operations center and just have the uh, the governor's team, you know, tightly restrict all the reporters from getting in to ask questions. So that might be the way they play it, too. This way, there's no difficult questions that get asked. Governor Cooper formed that task force in June, and it is going to make its recommendations on or by December 1st. So they're on a deadline. Task force members, Representative Marsha Morey, a Democrat and former Durham County District Judge, as well as Mr. Pittman from earlier, the guy quoted first, Er, uh, Kerwin Pittman, community activist, in Raleigh, they both say they're concerned that the sheriff's report is trying to undercut more significant reforms. Caldwell said the association's working with the task force and has two sheriffs participating in the discussion. Quote, we're also doing our own report to put out the issues that we think are important. So I find this I find this interesting. Their response, their reaction to the Sheriff's Association putting out a report going through proposed reforms to policing in the state. And, and first thing they do is what? They say, we don't like the fact that you put this out before our report. You're trying to undercut our effort, which if you're about reform, then... Wouldn't you welcome all input like that? This is another thing that Rondell Lance talked about uh, when we interviewed him a couple of weeks ago, which was, or I guess now months ago, uh, which was for, for local officials to always be trying to reform police and never seek police input in the process. It strikes him and me as dishonest. How can you actually reform policing if you don't get cops in there and ask them what they think needs to be done to reform policing? Um, The report argues this is another uh, uh, point of contention. Were you aware that uh, Democrats and uh, Black Lives Matter activists, they are now opposed to school resource officers? Did you know that? Yeah. So this is it's a fairly new development. They're now opposed to having cops in schools. So, right, because it just like they didn't want cops at a polling station because people are intimidated by the police officer. The report argues, though, the Sheriff's Association report says school resource uh, officers should stay in schools because they can guard against school shootings and threats. Yeah, that's the reason why we started putting the cops into the schools was because of the threats and the school shootings. Right. Violence was occurring. Kids were getting beaten up or killed in schools. And so and then there was this big like I, I'm I'm talking like I'm an old timer. And I was a young kid. We had cops in the schools like this is like a year ago. We're talking. <laughs> this is two years ago when there's this huge push to put cops in schools. So, yeah, here we are now police in schools. Uh, now that is triggering and offensive. It makes people feel unsafe. State Representative Mori said other uh, other people want officers removed or no longer able to press charges against students through the juvenile justice system. So, OK, fine. If we have to have some cops on premises, fine. But they just can't charge anybody, <laughs> which. OK, so as long as I commit crimes on school property, then uh, I, I'm allowed to do so. There's then. Yay me, it's like a jubilee for criminals on school property. (laughs) All of a sudden, they're going to say, why are all these drug deals going down uh, right inside the the school campus? I don't I don't understand it. The associations report, as I mentioned, was created uh, with the work uh, with the help and input of sheriffs from around the state. And then there was this response on Twitter from Bruce Siseloff, who is the former reporter and editor. At the Raleigh News and Observer, he's now retired, and here's what he said. North Carolina Sheriff's Association wants to make high school kids watch indoctrination video on proper interaction with cops. In another lifetime, this might be funny. Why would that be funny? Why would it be funny to instruct people how to interact with law enforcement In a life or death situation, if you're going around telling everybody that you have to have conversations with your kids because of the color of your skin, then don't you think? And the point of that, obviously, is that if you don't have that conversation with your children, then they're going to get killed by a cop. We've heard this right for the last now I've been hearing it for probably about five years. I don't know how long it's been going on, but African-Americans and they say that they have to have these conversations and I don't deny that they do. Um, and I, and it breaks my heart to hear that. But then again, like I never thought to behave in ways that I've seen on some videos, people behaving when they're interacting with cops. If a cop, you know, comes after me and goes to arrest me, I'm getting arrested. I don't know. I just I've, I never it never occurred to me to fight the cop. But I I don't know. Maybe maybe I'm naive okay but if we're going to be telling people that we or telling kids rather that like this is the talk that we need to have then doesn't it make sense for everybody to be having that same talk so this way it's universal this way everybody's on the same page everybody knows what's expected and what is not now what's expected at grower's hemp is top quality cbd oil at a great price i can tell you this i take grower's hemp full spectrum hemp extract I take a couple drops before I go to bed at night, and I sleep deeply. This is like, I wouldn't have believed it had I not tried it for myself. You should totally try it. And if you go to their website, growershemp.com, you'll get 20% off if you type in my name, Pete. Don't worry about the last name. Just the first name, Pete. You'll get 20% off growershemp.com. People take CBD for all sorts of reasons. Um, Are you looking for a better quality of life? a balanced state of mind, a positive mental outlook, maybe immune system resilience, uh, lower tension, add the natural alternative Growers Hemp Full Spectrum Hemp Extract, uh, add it to your daily routine and discover what your reasons are. Um, The best quality at a price that's affordable from Growers Hemp. How? Because they control the whole process from seed to shelf. Growers Hemp, founded by farmers here in North Carolina um, I like, I know these guys, one of them is my brother-in-law and his, uh, business partner, Brad, they're farmers. Uh, Brad's a veteran and they are like, you know what? We can do this better. Cause when hemp got legal in North Carolina, there were all these, uh, uh, guys and companies, they all came from, you know, like from the West, from California, like locusts. And they <laughs> they came into the state and they made all these promises to a bunch of farmers who then got burned and, Brad and Sean saw this and they were like, you know what, we can do this better and we can make everybody successful. The farmers, the farmers, families and customers right on our wellness journey. We can all benefit. And that's the success story that they're uh, writing right now. So come be a part of it. It's growers hemp. And as with all CBD products, here is the official disclaimer that government requires. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. The efficacy of these products has not been confirmed by FDA-approved research. These products are not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Nothing I have said is meant as a substitute for or alternative to information from your healthcare provider. Please consult your healthcare professional about potential interactions or other possible complications before using any product uh check out the uh ad for growers hemp it's in our state magazine and uh you can also find it on the shelves at broad river hemp company in shelby the medical pharmacy in locust and the co-op uh, the durham co-op uh i think that's in durham so growershemp.com promo code pete 20% off from north carolina farmers to your home growers hemp is about the hemp and not the hype in charlotte Charlotte Agenda on their Instagram page, uh, reported that on Monday night, the Charlotte City Council voted 10 to 1 to reopen the portion of Tryon Street that includes the Black Lives Matter mural. Do you know what I'm talking about here? In uptown Charlotte, Tri- Trade and Tryon, they call it the square, it's the intersection, you know, with the four gold statues up there. And Anyway, they closed Tryon Street. It's a, like the heart of Uptown Charlotte. And they closed it a couple weeks back or months ago now in June, I want to say. And they closed it and then they painted the Black Lives Matter mural on the street. And then somebody like uh, peeled out over it and left tire track marks all over it. And everybody was like, oh, my God, racist. And so then they like closed the street. So it's been closed ever since. And so people go over there and they take pictures. It's like a tourist attraction and all this. Okay. Slight problem though. There are businesses, as I mentioned, heart of uptown. There are a bunch of businesses on that block and they don't have access anymore to their business, right? Unless it's walk up uh, foot traffic. Okay. But people who want to drive there or drive through, they're not going to the business now. So, Uh, The Charlotte City Council said, you know what, Uh, it's been up there for months. Um, Several businesses, including McCormick and Schmick's Restaurant and the 230 South Tryon Condominiums, have all said that the closure is impacting their operations and revenues. So, So this was a 10 to 1 vote to reopen the road. Councilman Braxton Winston was the lone no vote. Braxton Winston was... Uh, the guy who rose to prominence and fame and a city council seat, he parlayed his activism into a spot on the Charlotte City Council when, remember the Keith Lamont Scott shootings, uh, shooting rather, the police officer involved shooting, uh, where the uh, the guy was sitting in his car, Keith Lamont Scott sitting in his car, smoking a joint or something, and... Uh, He was waiting like at a school bus stop or something. He was in a parking lot, and the cops were there to serve a warrant on somebody else. They see him. They see him with a gun. So then they like tell him to get out of the car. He gets out of the car and won't put the gun down. And his wife is videotaping, screaming. He's got a traumatic brain injury and all this. And then he points the gun at the cops, and a cop shoots him. A black cop shoots him. And then riots ensue in downtown Charlotte, or uptown Charlotte. And... That guy, Braxton Winston, was the one who stood up, you know, in front of the cops with his shirt. I think he had a shirt off and you know, there are all these pictures taken of him and uh, and then he parlays that into a city council uh, election victory. Okay, so he votes no. Don't don't want to reopen the Tryon street. and here's here's his reason why. He argues that there's been more pedestrian traffic on that street in recent months. Uh, than before the COVID shutdown. And he says, quote, by opening up the street and letting the Black Lives Matter mural fade away, we are saying that McCormick and Schmick's valet matters more than Black Lives right now. That is what's called a dishonest framing of a subject because that is not what's actually being said. It's saying that a painting on a road through the heart of your center city the business district that that is less important than keeping the road open because it is as i mentioned a major thoroughfare through the downtown business district the road was not built to be a mural the road was built to move vehicles and at a time of you know great upheaval and uh social justice awareness you know people shut down the road and painted all over it but that was not a permanent road closure. It was never intended to be a permanent road closure, but he now wants it to be. I guess, because if this is his if this is his rationale for opposing it now, then he has no rationale for ever supporting its reopening. The closure was never intended uh, never intended to be permanent, according to the uh, Charlotte Observer. Community members say they fear opening the streets back up to traffic will spell the end of what has become a safe haven for black Charlatans in the city a safe haven again this narrative that the media advances that black people in america and in charlotte right here that they are uh that they're being hunted on a regular basis it 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 is so destructive to a society when you know the irony is when you look at the data when you actually look at the crime data it's quite the opposite folks it's quite the opposite and that actually radicalizes people when it on both sides it radicalizes left and right it radicalizes black and white and it is so destructive but we don't have a media that is either smart enough uh or uh sophisticated enough or honest enough to examine this. They're just not. For the past five months, the mural was a destination spot in Charlotte. Friends made plans for dinner near it so they could walk to the mural afterwards. Families posed for portraits on uh, on their favorite letters. Last weekend, police celebrated Joe Biden winning the presidential election there. The reopening coincided with several days of heavy rain. On Wednesday night, The paint on the mural was already chipping. Tire tracks and dirt sat atop the broken art, glowing against the streetlights and the rain. A member of activist organization CAATS Collective, who goes by the name Brady Diaz, said it already looks horrible. Yet on top of the cracked and dirty paint that could be the most meaningful piece of art the city has seen all year, the activists danced. It's not even been six months, Brady said. You're saying our lives didn't even matter for six months. No, that's actually not what the city has said. The city said, we painted over a major thoroughfare through our downtown business district, but now it has to open up because it's a major thoroughfare through the downtown business district. The, the, uh, the way these people view everything through the, like this, this lens of self... It, it, like, you're saying, this is what you're saying. Th- that's not what they're saying. They, this is the problem when they initially did it. Cities started doing this all over the place. They started painting these, you know, big Black Lives Matter uh, letters all throughout the uh, their cities on the roads. And people at the time, like me, were saying, well, what's going to happen when, you know, you open up that road? Why are you painting on the road? Like, if you want this to be a permanent thing, why wouldn't you make it a permanent thing? I don't understand that. Why did you make it a temporary thing in the first place? Because you knew now that this was going to happen. As soon as you open it up, people are going to complain that you opened it up. Speaking of opening things up, uh, if you are trying to get your house sold, you need to have some open houses or something, right? Here, How about this idea? How about you open it up on the website with videos, with walking tour videos, That will get your house sold fast and for more money. Rowena Patton has been doing this for almost two decades now. The video tours. So like I know a lot of realtors now they're doing them because of COVID. Rowena has been doing it for a very long time. She used to be in marketing, so she knows how to sell stuff. And in this case, it's your house. And that's great for you. Get your house sold fast and for more money. She's got buyers already lined up. If you're thinking about selling or you're thinking about buying a house, she's got homes at all price points. Buying or selling, call the only agent that I called, Rowena Patton. 333 4483. That's 333 4483, mountainhomehunt.com, and start packing. So the uh, Charlotte Observer story here continues on this uh, Black Lives Matter mural that in its decision, the council cited nearly uh, nearby business complaints uh, about losing revenue by not having the traffic flowing through the area. Several businesses near the mural either wouldn't comment or did not respond to requests for comment. Gee, I wonder why. Why do you think <laughs> why do you think businesses might not be too keen to tell you that the big Black Lives Matter mural in front of their place that shut down the road hasn't been great for business? I will say this. There's a quote here at the very, very end of the story by a person, a charlatan named Davita Galloway, and she says, was it supposed to remain closed forever? Was that the expectation? I mean, ultimately, it is paint. And while it is iconic, innovative, and a hella dope body of work and statement, I am more concerned with actual black lives good for her good for her. that's exactly right that's the important thing now if you want to do more murals around the city and make them permanent have at it totally fine with that painting them on the streets and shutting down the thoroughfare through your major business district that's just that it was it was a bad idea at the time and now you get the pushback now you get people mad that you're uh you're undoing a temporary thing that was never intended to be permanent um this is a related story. Portland, uh, there's a woman named Joanne uh, sorry Joanne Hardesty. Uh, and according to the Oregonian, Joanne Hardesty dialed 911 over a rideshare driver who was following Lyft, so the, the, the rideshare company Lyft, was following their coronavirus safety guidelines to keep a window open. Okay? So, makes sense, right? You don't want to sit in an enclosed car with, you know, potentially... COVID people, so you got to keep a window open. And that's what Lyft advises its drivers to do. So Joanne Hardesty calls 911 because she kept telling the driver to roll up the window. And then she told police, you better send out officers. The dispatcher said there's really no crime that's being committed here. Two officers they finally go, they finally arrive, and... When they pull up, Hardesty gets out of the uh, the car and into another rideshare car that had pulled up at the same time as the cops did. OK, so she eventually does get a different rideshare to come pick her up because the driver of the of the Lyft car was like, like, look, I'm just going to stop here and you can get out. And by the way, they're allowed to do that. They can kick anybody out of their car at any time. Hardesty later told the Portland Tribune that she, quote, proactively called police because as a black woman, she feared having officers called on her would, quote, put me in danger. Okay, so that's why she called the cops. She says, I don't call 911 lightly, but I certainly am not going to do anything that would put my personal safety at risk. It's a lot harder when you are black or brown in America to make that decision. I am very aware of how unsafe it is for a single woman to be traveling anywhere, especially in this very racially tense time. Again, this is Portland. Okay. Um, She uh, she says, people recognize me everywhere. I just was not going to take that chance. People recognize her everywhere. Oh, did I? Oh, I forgot to mention. She is a Portland city commissioner uh, who oversees the Portland emergency dispatch system, and she has repeatedly campaigned to cut police budgets and shift money elsewhere. Yes. Yeah, plot twist. <laughs> so a defund policer here <laughs> calls the cops on her lift driver because he won't roll the window up. <laughs> um So after Hardesty complained to Lyft, the company reminded her that drivers are free to end a ride for any reason and warns that future reports of this nature may lead to additional action being taken on your account. (laughs) So they're like, look, uh, lady, if you keep on uh, treating our drivers like this, we're going to, we'll ban you. Like we'll put a note on your account and no driver's going to want to take you. Okay. (laughs) Uh, In a related story, People living in parts of Minneapolis hit hardest by the rise in shootings and carjackings are once again asking for more police presence. Why? To stop the violence, of course. The latest cries for help come after learning that the new Minneapolis violence interrupters, they have been sidelined from their duties of stopping crimes before they happen. Quote, You have gunshots every half hour or every hour, some of them ending up in a shooting, some of them ending up with death, said Don Samuels, a former Minneapolis city councilman. He says his neighbors are held hostage by stray bullets that have invaded their lives. He says the violence interrupters are regrouping, conducting more training, and taking a break from the action. He says it's not surprising, quote, We knew there was a level of criminality and violence that would actually put them in danger. So from his front porch in North Minneapolis, he asked city leaders to give his community what they need to feel safe in their homes. Quote, we're crying out for the presence of Law enforcement, officials on the streets and patrols, uh, sorry, officers on the streets in patrols to become a deterrent to the worst of the violence, which is what we're experiencing now. Gosh, man, if only somebody would have known that this could have happened, maybe we could have avoided it, right? If only there were people saying, hey, you know what? If you start taking all the cops off the streets, then the criminals are going to run wild because that's really the only deterrent that's there. People aren't just going to stop being criminals uh, because the cops are gone. They're like, oh, whew, now that the cops are no longer all over the place, now I don't have to live this life of crime. <laughs> uh, <laughs> all right? If only somebody would have known. He, uh, he says it's not an either or it's a both. We want the cops who come to treat people civilly, but we want them to come. And on that, I agree with uh, I agree with them. It, the, the people that you harm the most in these, this stupid defund the police campaign, um, the people that could hurt the worst are the people who are the most vulnerable. So um, media, meanwhile, taking a hit for not reporting on violence in a certain city during a certain event. Details on that in a minute. First, General Equipment Rental in Weaverville is your source right now for, yes, not just rental equipment and tools. They've got all of the tools, all the equipment. If you're, if you're a, uh, a general contractor, you do work, and you don't need these tools all the time, you know, maybe you're a handyman and you just need a tool uh, every now and again, this is the perfect place for you. General Equipment Rental, okay? You pick up the tool you need for the work, for the project that you got to get done, and then you bring it back when you're done. It's fantastic. But they also have... Yard equipment for sale. General equipment rental uh, is your official licensed Husqvarna and Honda outdoor power equipment sales and service provider. And right now, while supplies last, you can get 10% off the Husqvarna auto mower. I've been talking about this thing for a while. It's so awesome. Like I was looking, <laughs> I spent way too much time looking at this thing, the details on it. It's fantastic. It's like a Roomba for your yard. It looks like the Batmobile. It's completely automated. It charges itself and you can you uh, you can check in with it on, uh, on your smartphone. And if somebody tries to steal it, it has a GPS locator in it and it shuts itself off as soon as it's outside of the perimeter of your yard. So it becomes a paperweight. It's a fantastic piece of technology. If you got somebody who's always doing the yard and uh, they don't particularly enjoy it, this is the Christmas gift to get them. Okay. The Husqvarna Auto Mower. It is at General Equipment Rental in Weaverville. It's at the intersection of Merriman Avenue and Reams Creek Road. Family owned and operated for three generations. GeneralRents.com. That's GeneralRents.com. And think outside your toolbox. So Fox News reports that conservatives are criticizing members of the media for failing to cover violence against President Trump's supporters at the so-called Million MAGA March in Washington D.C. over the weekend. This is the, this is so frustrating for me. Um for folks who have never been inside of a newsroom and uh, you've never seen how uh, stories get get pitched and get assigned this is what's infuriating. There is, at first, there is a either flat-out refusal to cover an event, or uh, it's ignorance that the event is occurring at all. I doubt that there was ignorance that this event was occurring over the weekend in Washington D.C. Um, so this was a refusal to cover the uh, the event. So media outlets will first refuse to cover uh, something like this, and then when conservative or you know right-wing media When they cover the event, then the mainstream legacy outlets, they then dismiss that coverage because, oh, well, that's just from those right-wingers, from the conservative media. And they mock the conservative media for covering the event. Well, you know what, guys? If you thought you could do a better job, why didn't you go do it? No, you chose not to cover it. You made a decision that you didn't think it was newsworthy. Well, if you don't think it's newsworthy to cover it, then shut the hell up. Seriously. Like, shut up about your... like. Your uh, analysis or something on the way it got covered. If you think you can do a better job, then go do it. But they don't do it. Therein lies the problem. Um, Quote, I want to hear Joe Biden and Kamala Harris condemn Antifa and Black Lives Matter criminals who assaulted and harassed peaceful demonstrators in D.C. today, including the elderly and families, wrote political strategist Doug Stafford on Twitter. Of course they won't and media won't make them. Watching video, this is from um, Rand Paul's wife, Kelly. She says, watching video of people being assaulted and mobbed uh, in D.C. tonight brings back awful memories. You want an example of media bias? When Rand Paul and I spoke about our mob assault, the AP reported our claim was, quote, without evidence, despite 10 minutes of video. You remember that? After what the... um the Republican National Convention, Trump makes the speech on the White House lawn, and then everybody is leaving the White House, and they get swarmed by these leftist nutjobs. And the, uh, Rand Paul and his wife, and I forget, there was somebody else with them, and they're they're being surrounded and shoved and all this, and there, there was a cop there on a bike, remember, and somebody shoves the cop into Rand Paul. Anyway, the New York Times, or sorry, the AP um, they they sent out this tweet saying that oh the, you know they claim they were they were assaulted without evidence. I watched the video. You can see the video. There there's the evidence. The polls were surrounded by what the senator described as a crazed mob after the RNC. Several thousand Trump supporters protested election results, um, and then after during the day, and then when it uh, when the sun went down, all of the leftists uh, showed up. And they started beating up people, swarming them, uh, shouting at, you know, children in the streets. Oh, uh, yeah, it was just awful, terrible human beings. Like, And I'm not sure they're aware of how that looks to the normal people that don't engage in politics or anything like that. Just that sight of you with a bullhorn screaming at a four-year-old. Like, you don't look like the good person in that scenario. All right, that's a wrap for this episode. Thanks so much for listening. I do appreciate it. And uh, please remember, hit the subscribe button and subscribe to the podcast. It's totally free. You know that. Uh, Thanks again for listening. Talk with you later. Don't break anything while I'm gone.